God bless you. Um, yeah, if, if you can go out to camp, go out to camp, because uh, I went out there Monday with, uh, met Dave and Mark out there, and we, we swung a sledgehammer about all day. <laughs> so, so they kind of wore me out. I, had, I wasn't used to that kind of work, but it, it was fun. We enjoyed it. We busted up the, the backside of one of the, uh, the larger cabins and took the, the foundation out from underneath of it because it's got to be reblocked. So we, we spent the day pretty much busting block. It was kind of fun. I felt good, you know, letting out some of my anger. <laughs> so, so if you got a little anger you need to get rid of, uh, go up to camp with uh, Brother Dave and Brother Mark. And they got a sledgehammer up there. It weighs about 20 pounds. You can just swing that thing up against those blocks and bust them up. So we had fun. We really did. I enjoyed being with them, the fellowship, and, and, and the hard work. And it needed to be done. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it can be dangerous, too, you know. Um, Jared fell um, off of one of the rafters while he was up there last, or I guess the other day. And so keep him in your prayers. Keep these guys in their prayers when they go up there to work because, you know, that's, that's, it's hard work. It really is. And, you know, if you're able to get out there and help, Get out there and help. Ladies, you can swing a sledgehammer. Anyway, <laughs> all right. We got a song here tonight. We want to, uh, it's, it's just called Make Me a Servant. I hope you all can see the words on that. Um, it's been around for a long time. And so if you'll just stand with me and as we sing this song, Make Me a Servant, you know. And God, God's looking for servants, folks. He is. He's looking for people to, uh, to serve him. And, uh, and so just, just, it's like a prayer. A lot of songs are just like prayers. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant. Make me a servant. <clears throat> make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak, and may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be. Make me a servant, make me a servant. Make me a servant today. Let's go through that one more time. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be. Make me a servant, make me a servant, make me a servant today. Don't sing it if you don't mean it, you know. <laughs> All right, let's open up our Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 3. 
Ephesians chapter 3. Now, last week we had a few difficult, we had some uh, technical difficulties with this lovely te technical stuff. I, I think sometimes the devil's in that stuff, but uh, uh, he, he is. He's, he's, he'll do anything he can to stop uh, God's word from going forth. Uh, I want to read the last uh, verses 14 through verse 21. Last week we were able to uh, get through verse 13. So tonight I want to read verses 14 through 21, and then we'll make our, our lesson tonight. It says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your precious word. And we ask, Lord, that you would open our understanding as we look into it tonight, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Father, give us what we need to hear from heaven. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, in our previous me message last week, we saw where Paul was about to start uh, his second prayer. And at the beginning of chapter 3, when he began his second prayer for the Ephesians, um, Paul kind of paused in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1 because he says for this cause I Paul the prisoner of Jesus Christ after he mentioned himself as being the prisoner of Jesus Christ there was no one of the Paul was one of the greatest servants of Christ that ever lived and and uh, he, if you're going to follow a, a man I guess he's, he's probably a man to follow but he said there in verse 1 as a prisoner of Jesus Christ and then he kind of pauses and he says, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, and then he goes on, and, and, he, and there was kind of a pause there. He was about to pray there. Paul was about to say this prayer that he ends up saying at the end of the chapter where he says, for this cause, I, Paul, I bow my knee unto the Father. But uh, he was interrupted when he said a prisoner of Jesus Christ because Paul saw himself not only as a prisoner, and that, mean, and that didn't mean that he was bound in chains, but his love for Christ was so strong it did bind him. And he became the servant of Jesus Christ and he became the missionary to the Gentile people. And think about this for one minute. If Paul had not on the road to Damascus told the Lord Jesus Christ that I'll do whatever you want me to do pretty much, we wouldn't be sitting here today. Think about that. One man God used who was actually trying to destroy the church. He was trying to destroy the Christians in the first place. He was on, his and he was on the road to Damascus when he, when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. And he'd already gotten a letter to go to Damascus and to take Christians from Damascus and take them back and have them destroyed. Because, I mean, think about that. And, and we live in a world today and in a society today where they're still trying to destroy us. They're trying, they're, trying to, they're trying to suppress us as Christians and stop us from speaking the truth. And when we speak it, we speak it out of love. We talk to people in love. And, and, and because, we, because what the Bible teaches us, that God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him. And that's the same kind of, that, that's the way we need to be. We have to realize that God so loved the entire world that we have a responsibility to share Christ with the world. 
no matter what the cost. And that's what Paul was. Paul didn't care what it cost him. But, but the, it, and Paul goes on to say that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, lest they be troubled. And he didn't want them to be troubled in their hearts because he figured when he, when he called himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was afraid that the people would, would be afraid that they'd be afraid for him. So he kind of pauses and he goes through some things with them. And, and, and rather than them be stressed, there in Ephesians 3 verse 13, rather than them be, be stressed out, uh, he talks about his apostleship to the Gentiles, even with his tribulation, was a gift. Sometimes we need to look at tribulation when it comes our way as a gift. That God has chosen us and allowed us to go through a difficult time to draw us closer to him. And that's what, that's, what, that's what tribulation should do. It should draw us closer to the Lord Jesus Christ and help us to be more dependent on Him. But His purpose, um, in, chapter, in chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, His purpose was to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that. You can't even begin to understand in our finite minds, our human minds, we can't even begin to understand the riches that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We went through some of those in the previous chapters here in the book of Ephesians. You know, we talked about the grace of God and other things, but these riches that we have to look forward to, oh my goodness, our minds cannot even begin to comprehend it. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't give us all of them. God just gave us what He thought we could handle, what we could take, and what we could, would take into ourselves and understand. But that was His purpose, was to preach among the Gentiles those unsearchable riches, that in Christ He had boldness. He was thankful that He had a boldness uh, and, and a confidence through faith in Christ to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's what it takes. It takes boldness today to be a Christian. I'm telling you, it is hard. We live in a world where it's not easy to be a Christian. You know, I don't, I don't know if it's quite as bad as it was in the days of Paul, but it's, it's, it's bad enough right now because everything we say, we're called haters. We don't hate the world, folks. We may hate the sin because God tells us to hate sin, but we've got to love the sinner. Like I said this morning, we have to do that. But having completed the, his brief interruption there in chapter 3, verses 14, uh, we, go into, we go into chapter uh, verse 14 through 21, and now Paul continues with his second prayer. We saw his first prayer uh, previously um, in, in Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 23. But now he says, and it begins in verse 14, he says, for this reason, uh, and he indicates that, that he's beginning to indicate that he's expressing his prayer in response to those things that he mentioned earlier in the book in chapter 3, which was the wonderful salvation of grace through faith and the works by Christ on the cross whereby Gentiles can now become fellow heirs. We've been adopted into the family of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ by just believing in Jesus Christ and the same body that the, Gen that the, the Israelites are in at this time and we can be partakers of the promise of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And now with gratitude in his heart, Paul in grace toward the Gentiles, begins a prayer. And that's what we see here in the latter part of the verse. This is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus. But this, that, that prayer doesn't stop there. It goes down to us as well. We need to take the promises of God's word and hold on to them because there are promises as well. Every, every word in the Bible, like I said before, in Genesis chapter 1, in, in the beginning God to the last amen in Revelation, that is written to us. Those are our promises, and we need to learn to hold on to those. But now, as we go through this, going into Paul's second prayer, let's talk a little bit about the invocation in verses 14 and 15 where he says, For this cause, 
I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 15 he says, Of whom the whole family of heaven and earth is named. Think about that. Those that are in heaven right now and those of us on earth right now, it's as if we're there now. We're part of that same family of God and we can hold on to that promise uh, and that invocation. Let's talk a little bit about posture in prayer. There are different ways to pray, okay? Uh, You can pray standing up. And I want to look at some of those. Uh, in, in this prayer, Paul bows his knee. He, bow, he said very clearly, he said, he says, for this cause, I bow my knee. And, and I, I bow my knee a lot. And, and, and when I pray, when I'm by myself, that's, that's how I like to pray. That's, that's one of my preferences. I have prayed prostrate, flat out on my face before, depending on what I had to pray about. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everybody's led in different ways to pray. But what I want us to understand tonight, that Paul here, in his prayer, he said, I bow my knee. That's a posture in prayer commonly found throughout the Scripture. And I want to share some of that with you. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw and kneeled down and prayed. Jesus knelt down and prayed. Jesus prayed on his knees. He prayed to his heavenly father. And then in Acts chapter 9 and verse 40, it says, But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed. And turning him to the body, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha arise. And she opened her eyes. This is where Peter rose Tabitha from the dead. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. So he knelt down and he prayed. So there's different type of postures that can be done. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, it says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And Acts 21, verse 5, it says, And when he had accomplished those days, uh, we departed and went went our way. And they all brought us on our way with wives and children till they were out of the city. And we kneeled down on the shore and prayed. Folks, I've been in the woods before deer hunting and I've knelt down to the log and I've prayed because I felt the Spirit of God telling me it's time to pray. And I spend a lot of time on my knees. Sometimes my knees hurt a lot. (laughs) And I've actually been having trouble with one of them. It's kind of got some swelling going on there. But, you know, that's okay. If the left one hurts, I'll kneel on the right one and hold the left one up. You know, there's different ways for everybody to pray. However, there does not appear to be an official posture. There's nothing in there that says God says you have to kneel. If you've got bad knees, don't kneel down. You know, you can bow your head wherever you're out and pray to God. Uh, Solomon, when he prayed, um, make sure I'm giving you all this stuff. Solomon stood up when he prayed uh, and asked God for his blessing on the temple. It says in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he prayed standing up with his hands toward heaven. That's okay. That's acceptable. There's different types of posture when we pray. Uh, and, and then it goes on. David sat down when he prayed. When David prayed, he sat. If you look at Second uh, Chronicles 17, verse 16, it says, And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? He, he, he prayed sitting down. So there's different types of posture when it comes to pray. And then in Matthew 26, um, in Matthew 26 and verse 39, this is talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane 
before Jesus was crucified. He knew what he was about to go through. He knew he was going to be scourged, beaten. He knew that he was going to be, be, be mocked, spit upon, that they would pull the, pluck the beard from his face. He knew what the suffering that he had to go through. And as a result, Jesus fell on his face and he prayed in Gethsemane. And this is what, and, and he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He was seeking the will of his Father. He already knew the will of his Father. But he needed strength from his Father. He knew what he was about to go through physically. Even though Jesus was God, he was still 100% man. And he felt the same pain that we feel. And you know, when I read through what Jesus went through, sometimes I, I have to fall on my face and thank God for him taking my place and my stead, that I didn't have to go through what he went through. And, 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 and so Jesus prayed prostrate on his face, and he cried out to his heavenly Father. That's okay to do that. I've prayed in, 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 in bed at night on my back. When I wake up in the middle of the night and God lays something on my heart, i got to pray about it. Sometimes I'll get up and go into another room and bow down and pray on my knees or I'll stand up and pray. It's okay. There's different postures. There's no specific way that God tells us we have to pray as long as we're praying directly to our Heavenly Father. And, and like I said this morning, you don't have to pray to man, folks. If there's sin in your life, you don't have to take that to anybody but the Heavenly Father. He is the one that we talk to. Now, um, with that said, I want to talk a little, bit about, a little bit more about the invocation of prayer in verses 14 and 15. The addressee, when we pray. G, Paul says clearly he's in, in verse 15, uh, he goes on, he says, For this cause I bow my knee unto who? The Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about the addressee, the person that we address in prayer. The pattern and example of prayer in the New Testament church was to the Father. Uh, very clearly, it was to the Father. Ephesians 3.14, it says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ephesians 5.20, it tells us, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So see, we pray to our Heavenly Father. And we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one, when he was crucified, and he said, it is finished. The veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. And when that happened, that opened, us, opened up a door for us as Christians to step into the Holy of Holies before God Almighty. We didn't need a priest no more. No more priest. No more confessing of our sins to a man. And then him put his hands on a, a scapegoat and, and confess all those sins and then kick it out into the wilderness, hoping that it would carry all their sins away. No, our sins are taken away by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only way that it can be done. So we pray to the Father, and we pray in the name of and through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Colossians 3.17, it says, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. We pray to our Father in heaven. That's who we pray to. And, and we pray also, when we pray, we pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 tells us, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So when we pray, we pray in the Spirit through the power that we find in the Spirit of God. Jude verse 20 tells us, But ye beloved, but ye beloved, building up yourselves, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, in the power of the Spirit of God. That's how we pray. 
You know, the world thinks they can pray. I've talked to people that are unsaved and said, I, I pray every day. Well, who do you pray to? If you don't know my Heavenly Father, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the only true God that there is. There's only one God, folks. We, we are, we, as Christians, we're the only ones who have a Heavenly Father and, and a Savior that is alive and sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. These other religions out there, that's all they are. They're religions. They, they, when they pray to somebody like a Muhammad, you can go see Muhammad's grave. You can see these people's grave. They're dead. Jesus is the only one whose grave you can go to and you will not find his body in that grave. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus to our Heavenly Father. And the Trinity is another story that we could get into another time because that's, when we get into the Trinity, it's, it's, it's pretty in-depth stuff. And, and, and there's, there's different ways that that can be explained. But we want to continue with this tonight because uh, it goes on uh, in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, there's times, folks, we have no idea what to pray for. I've been in those situations where I didn't know what to say. I knew I needed to pray, but I didn't know what to say. And sometimes God says, just to be still and know that I'm God. Because God knows your heart. He knows what's in You don't even know what's in your own heart. That's the sad part of things. We don't know our own hearts. And the Bible says clearly that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God is the one who tries the hearts. And he makes sure that our hearts are what they should be. But it says, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other words, he's the only one that can take sometimes the petitions that we have in our hearts and in our minds before the Heavenly Father. It's got to be taken up by the Holy Spirit. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Because sometimes we don't know what God's will is. And, and I struggled with that for a lot of years. I still struggle once in a while with, what is the will of God? Well, I know it's not God's will that any should perish. So when I pray, I know a little bit about what God's will is. But I struggled my whole life just about with what God's will was for my life. And I honestly believe right now that I'm living it. I, fi I, think, I think I finally got where, I think God finally got me where he wanted me to be. And it took a long way for him to get me here. He had to take me all the way around the world, all the way to the Philippines, all the way back from the Philippines. And God had to do a mighty work in my life to get me to say, listen up, son. I've got something for you to do. I want you to pastor the church at Abundant Life Baptist Church. And I believe that with my whole heart right now. This is where God wants me and my wife right now. I believe that with my whole heart. But, um, and, 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 and that comes to find God's will. Sometimes you just got to pause. Whether you kneel, whether you stand. And it's okay to raise your hands to God once in a while, folks. That's praise. That's praise. Believe it or not, when we get to heaven, we might as well get used to that. Because there's going to be a lot of hand raising in heaven when you bow before the Heavenly Father sitting on His throne one day and the Son. When we see Jesus one day, what a wonderful day that's going to be. I got a feeling we're going to be prostrate on our face. We're going to be on our knees. We're going to be sitting, standing. And we'll be in whatever posture God wants us to be in. So get used to it now and pray as much as you can. Because when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of time spent raising our hand to our Heavenly Father, giving Him glory, giving Him honor and the praise that He deserves. It's okay to do that. 
If you get touched by the Holy Spirit in the middle of a service, raise your hand and give God glory. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And you know, Baptists are the worst ones about that. First thing we want to say is, boy, they're borderline Pentecostal. They're almost charismatic. But no, we're not because the Bible talks about our uplifted hands when we come before our Heavenly Father. And there's been many a time, folks, that my heart has been so heavy. You can ask my wife, when we were in the Philippines and I had to make a decision to leave there, nothing broke my heart worse. I cried like a baby for days because I had to make a decision uh, for my family and I. And I, I, I never cried so much in my life. And I spent a lot of time on my knees with my hands up before my Heavenly Father, begging Him, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And that was 30 years ago. And now where, where am I at? I'm right where God wants me to be, I believe, I believe that. I feel, I feel more comfortable about this than I did being in the Philippines. But he took me all the way around the world. And God will do what he has to do to get a hold of you and say, this is my will for your life. And like I told you all this morning, you're never too old to serve God. Amen. Never too old to serve God. Look at Moses. He didn't, even, he didn't even start serving the Lord until he was 80 years old. Think about that. 80 years old. Don't think you're too old to serve God. Nobody's ever too old to serve God. As long as you have breath in your lungs, he's got a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. So don't give up. Don't give up, folks. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's just, there's nothing better than to serve the Lord. There's nothing better. And, and if I could do it 100% every day and this would be my total focus and I could quit some other things that I do, I would, I would love to do that. And, and, and if time comes when that happens, praise God, I'll give him glory and honor where this is 100% of what I do. And I'm hoping we'll get to that day someday. But anyway, uh, number two under, under this addressee in prayer, there is, a, there is little evidence of anyone praying to Jesus or even less in praying to the Holy Spirit of God. I couldn't find it. I searched for it in the Bible where anybody prayed to Jesus Christ himself. Because Jesus, when he gave the model prayer, he said, when ye pray, say, our Father. He didn't say pray, Jesus. He said, pray, our Father, which art in heaven. We go to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Christ, because that blood is what split that veil in that temple and opened that door for us to be able to go to our Heavenly Father and, and talk one-on-one -on -one with God. What a privilege that is to talk to our Heavenly Father. Um, Clearly, it is the Father to whom we are to address our prayers. Matthew 6, 9 says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So to the Father, then, Paul addresses his prayer. So that's, that, that's a little bit about the addressee, uh, the invocation, the addressee. Uh, and, then, and then after Paul, after he starts off with his prayer, the prayer itself is divided into three parts. And indicates uh, in the Greek word, Hane, uh, and is like a staircase in three different steps. So prayer, prayer can have, there's different parts of prayer that we need to remember and need to learn from. And each step is leading on to the next one, which is the petition. Okay, the petition. So let's talk a little bit about the petition, uh, or the prayer itself. The petition of prayer, verses uh, 16 through 19, it says that we... That he, that God, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the first thing that Paul wants to have in his prayer, he's praying that God would grant strength by the spirit of God. Put that up there for you. In verses 16 through 17. He wants to grant 
He wants to make sure that God gives them that spirit that they need to have within them and, and gives them strength. Folks, I'm telling you, we live in a day and age where we need to be praying for strength every single day. We need to be praying for everyone in our church. We need to lift up one another every day. And like I told you all before, if I can't remember a person's name, which by now I know most of your names, uh, but, but I know where you sit. I know where you sit when you're here. And, and, and I know when you're not here. And I, when I pray, a lot of times I picture standing up here, looking out here. And we got two uh, new young ladies sitting over here with us tonight. A couple of young people back there that, that don't always sit in the church service. But I'll remember you and I will pray for you now. You're part of my church service now. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to lift you up before God that God would give you the strength. Just like Paul did here, he prayed that God would strengthen these people, that he would give them strength. And that's, the, you know, that's where strength comes from, folks. It's it comes from God's people gathering together and praying for one another. And even when we're not together, we need to pray for each other constantly. Paul had mentioned earlier about God's power toward uh, uh, those who believe up in verse 9 um, of, of, chapter, of Ephesians 1.19, where he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? I'm telling you, folks, the devil is powerful. I'll tell you that right now. He is very powerful. He's mighty. I don't want to go up against him on my own. But you know what? God is almighty. The devil's not almighty. He's not omnipotent. He's not, not, he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. But our Heavenly Father is all-powerful. And we need to pray that God would strengthen us and strengthen the inner man in all of us. And, and, and now he prays that the Ephesians might be strengthened with that might that God has to give them. The might of God. And I'm telling you, there's nothing. We talked about it this morning about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the power that God had when they walked through that furnace of fire. And they, and they came out on the other end. And they didn't even smell like smoke. Five seconds with somebody who smokes, your clothes smell like smoke. These guys spent some time in that furnace. You walk by somebody that's smoking, standing outside somewhere, because now it's illegal to smoke inside of a building. And when you do smoke, when somebody does smoke in a building, so you'll know, the law says they have to be 15 feet from that building. That's the law. Um, but, but anyway, if you walk by somebody that's smoking on the street, you can smell it on your clothes. You can smell it on your clothes. And these guys walk through this furnace of fire, and, and when they stepped out, they couldn't even smell smoke on their clothes. And the bands that were, were holding them was broke loose. They were no longer bound by those bands. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You're going to hear more about that in the coming, coming, coming messages, not tonight. But, but, uh, and so Paul's praying here for the Ephesians that, they might, that, that, that their strength uh, may come from the might of Almighty God. And that's what he's praying for here, number two. And then uh, number three, such, such strength is according to the riches of his glory. And think about the glory of God. The glory of, God's God, uh, of our God in heaven is so mighty. And then, and then uh, he goes on. Um, and number four, God's strength is administered through his spirit in the inner man. Where do we get our strength from? From the spirit of God. How do we pray? We pray, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. And that's what gives us strength, folks. And the word of God gives us strength. That's why, that's why the psalmist said clearly, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? Because the word of God will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the word of God. If you've got sin in your life, folks, the last thing you want to do is pick up something that tells you the truth. Because I'm telling you, the truth hurts. When you confront somebody with the truth, it hurts. And, 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 and it upsets people. They, and that's why this world right now hates Christians. We're not a loved people. 
We have to be honest about that. We're not a love people right now. We're falsely accused, and it's going to happen because the world hates it that we don't go along with their wicked ways. And they hate that. And as a result, they're going to hate you. And we have a responsibility in return to love them but hate the sin because sin does an evil thing. If it wasn't for sin, folks, we would have, we'd still be in the Garden of Eden. We would have, we'd still be living in the Garden of Eden. We'd all be children of Adam and Eve sitting in the Garden of Eden right now. And that's where we would be. But there's only one Eden left, and that's heaven, folks. That's the Eden that I'm looking forward to, that one, that one when we get up in heaven. But God's, he prayed that God's strength is administered through the, His Spirit. And it goes on, he says, as a Christian's body, remember this, when you get saved, you no longer belong to yourself. When you accept Jesus Christ into your life, it becomes the temple of God. It's, it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? And this is Paul writing. He says, what? And there's a question mark after that. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You no longer belong to yourself. Because how? Because Jesus died on that cross so that you could have eternal life. He died for you individually. If you would have been the only person on earth... Jesus would have still died for you. He loves you that much that he gave his life just specifically for you. And, and it goes on, another part of this is, uh, and, and, uh, and it says that one design in the indwelling spirit is to help one put to death the deeds of the body. One of the hardest things to do, folks, is to say no to the flesh. Because we still live in the flesh. And it's a hard thing. When sin pops up its ugly head and there's something out before you that, that you know in your heart you shouldn't look at. Because the Holy Spirit of God says don't look at that. And you look at it. Then that's where sin begins. That's where lust begins. That's where evil begins. And, but in, in Romans chapter 8 verses 11 through 13. Paul tells us here, he says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, if you're truly saved and you've got the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God is living within you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, you can have strength just by the spirit of God that lives within you. That's where we draw our strength from. He says, Therefore, my, my, therefore brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. You know, we're going to die. Everybody in this room one day is going to be dead. We're all going to die. I'm going to be dead one day. We're all going to be dead. Because sin is what brought death. That's what death came from. It came from sin. For that all have sinned and, and, and everybody's going to die as a result of that. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. What's he talking about? We're going to live eternally one day. Every person that's alive in this world today will live forever. But not every person will live in the presence of God Almighty. If they do not accept Jesus Christ, because that's the only way to heaven, Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the door. And he, and he tells us clearly when we accept him, he says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And Jesus himself said, well, as long as I'm in this world, I am the light of the world. But there was a day when he was raptured out and somebody had to pick up where he left off. And he said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send you the comforter, which is the spirit of God. And now in today's world, when, when somebody gets saved, the spirit of God immediately comes into their heart. And that's that, that, that's that little unction that we get every now and then that says, don't do that. That's the wrong thing to do. You know, we always want to give credit to the conscience. Sometimes the, conscience, the only conscience we need is the Spirit of God. 
The Spirit of God. A lot of, a lot, there's a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're good people. They're good people in their own eyes. But remember, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. No matter how hard we try, we cannot work our way into the gates of heaven. The only way we're going to get there is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and these people that were saved in the church of Ephesus, Paul was trying to build this church up to strengthen them by the Spirit of God and to give them what they needed in their life. And then we'll go on to number five here. And he goes on, he says, but the, the purpose of such strengthening by His Spirit in, our, in, in what we just read is for a different purpose. Uh, at first, hinted in verse 17. What's it say? That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. See, as Christians, we got to be grounded in the Word of God and we got to be grounded in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ so strongly that sometimes when we look at the sinner, we don't just see the sin, but we see the sinner. We see the person that's going to die and they're going to go to hell. They're going to spend an eternity in a place called hell. And I'm telling you right now, it is as real as you're sitting in that pew right now. Hell is real. But God did not create hell for mankind. He created it for the devil and his angels. But because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, and when Eve said, yeah, oh, look at that. And when, when he said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of that? And Eve began to think, is that what he said? And see, that's what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to begin to doubt. And he wants the world to doubt. And he wants the world to tell us that we're wrong. And he wants us to, to grasp a hold of the, the evil that's in this world that the Bible says itself that is wrong. You want to know what's wrong? Read the Word of God. You want to know what's right? Read the Word of God. It's in there. It, it's our guide. It's our roadmap on the, in this world that we live in. Uh, and it goes on. And, 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 and first of all, that, first of all, it's hinted that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's all about faith. It's what you believe. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible's clear on that. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe in Jesus Christ. Accept Him into your heart. And, and then confess your sins. But there's got to be repentance with that. Somebody that's truly saved, they're going to change their ways. If they're, going, if they're going in this direction and they're headed in the wrong direction, when they get saved, they're going to completely turn around and they're going to head in the other direction because they're going to put their eyes off of the world and they're going to put them on Jesus Christ because they're going to fall in love with Him when they, when they, when they understand what He did for them. How he died on that cross for their sins. So, so the first thing that Paul wanted them to, to understand is that Christ dwells in their hearts through faith. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to that faith. Hold on to that testimony. And to the degree that God strengthens by his spirit the, the, the believer's inner man. The inner man. The inside of a man. You see when we die our inner man goes one of two places. Heaven or hell. He's talking there about the soul of man. And that soul is either going to go to heaven or it's going to go to hell. The bodies are going to die. There's not, the body does not live forever. One day we're going, to get a, we're going to get a new body. And I'll be glad to give this one up. Praise God. I mean, I'll give it up in a heartbeat. I get to heaven, I might have a full head of hair. Praise God. <laughs> I ain't had that for a while. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because it's not, on what, it's not, on, it's not what on, what's on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside. And I know that inside my heart, I've got the Holy Spirit living within me. And I find strength in that every single day of my life. But this is what Paul was wanting to, this is what he's praying for. That the inner man will be strengthened by the Spirit of God. You want strength? Pray that God would would, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to have a fullness in your life. Not just an indwelling. See, there's a difference between the indwelling of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit. And until you give, just because you're saved, don't mean that God has your heart altogether. 
You're not going to go to hell, but you may not have the fullness of the Spirit of God. And when that day comes, when you get the fullness of the Spirit of God, you're going to know it. You're going to know because you're, you're, the, the love of this world is going to just dissipate. The world's not going to mean a thing to you. Only the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. Um, the Spirit is the instrument, instrumental agent by which God indwells in the believer. Ephesians 2.22 uh, tells us, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Think about that. When you get saved, your body automatically becomes the Spirit. It becomes, the Spirit of God comes inside of you. You are the temple of God. And why would you want to do anything to destroy that temple? It belongs to Him. Don't put things in your body that shouldn't go into your body. Don't, and, and, and use your body for God's glory. You're the temple of God. Sometimes when you walk around in this world, you may be the only Jesus that this world sees. Set the right example. Live for Him. Give your heart to Him. And that's the prayer. This prayer is the same prayer we could pray for one another every single day. But you don't, don't use it as a chant, okay? God says clearly, you know, He's not happy with vain repetition. These are examples for us to follow by. And we're not going to get this finished up tonight, but we'll finish it next week. But I'm telling you, folks, Paul's prayer here was for the Ephesians. And, and we talked about the, the, the posture of prayer. Pray any way you want to. Pray right there sitting in your pew right now. You know, build your own altar. Build your own altar. You know, I, I'm a deer hunter. I got a shed at home I hunt deer out of. And, and I pray in that shed every time I go out in that shed to hunt deer. And if I go into the woods, I find a place to sit down and talk to the Lord. You can talk to God wherever you're at, no matter what you're doing, and he will hear you. His phone line is never busy. And he always answers. He always answers his phone. You may call me and I don't hear my phone. I may not answer. But I'm telling you, God will answer. And if I hear it, I'll answer it. But uh, God's, God's never too busy to hear our prayers. So pray for one another. And, 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 and think, about, think about these things that, you know, he, Paul says, for, for this cause, for what cause? For the, the cause of the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And for, because he wanted to see God's people grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. He said, for this cause, the cause of Jesus Christ, I bow my knee before the Father. And I lift these things up to him on your behalf. So when we pray for one another, pray, pray that these unsearchable riches of God and His grace would grow in our hearts and we would be drawn so close to Him that nothing would separate us from one another or from God Almighty. We're going to have differences on this earth. There are. There's going to be a lot of differences. We're not going to agree on everything. None of us are going to agree on everything. But we've got to agree on one thing. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Doesn't cost you nothing to go to heaven, folks. It's free. It's free. But pray for one another. I need your prayers. I'll tell you that right now. I need your prayers. I need a lot of prayer. And you know what? It's okay to pray for yourself, too. It's okay to pray for yourself. And I find sometimes I struggle with that. I find it hard to, to pray for myself when I know somebody else is worse off than I am. But pray for one another. And, and, and read, these, read these passages of Scripture. We'll, get, we'll finish it up next week. But um, Paul, Paul's prayer here uh, is, is an example for us to follow. And we need to pray for one another that we'd be strengthened by the Spirit of God in the inner man. Because that's, that's where you find your strength.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight for your word. We thank you for the promises that we have. We thank you, Father, for the example that the Apostle Paul set for us when he bowed his knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing whom we should pray to, knowing how we should pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you're always there. Your line is never busy, and you always pick up, and you hear us no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're doing. Father, help us, but help us to do it in reverence to our Holy Father. But help us to always realize that you are holy and we are not. As Moses went before the burning bush, Father, you told him to kick off his shoes because the ground that he stood on was holy. So, Father, when we come into your presence, we realize that you are a holy God and that we need to respect that. That we shouldn't come before you with a, a pious attitude, but have an attitude of love and Understand that we're able to do that by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on the cross of Calvary. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would just, uh, just continue to work in our hearts. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.